gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome back to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. My name is Jake Botel, and I'm privileged to be in your ears once again, privileged uh, that you would take the time to listen to me uh, waffle on about various sporting topics uh, for the next, you know, 40 minutes. Because um, there's, let's face it, <laughs> the podcast market, the sports podcast market, it's a saturated uh, market. There's a lot of things you could choose to do uh, with the next 40 minutes. You know, you could be building your model ship. Um, you could be, I don't know, video gaming. You could be learning origami. But I guess you could do at least two of those things while you listen to a podcast. So maybe you are listening to this while you build a model ship or while you learn to build, you know, a paper crane. I hope it's going well. I could never get my head around origami. I couldn't get my hands around origami. Fiddly stuff. So power to you, origami artists. Um, today, I've got some retirements to talk about. A couple of major ones. Uh, several major. I mean, in a sense, there's three. Um, whether I'll get to all of them, I don't know. Two of them, I mean, they're all significant. Um, maybe a week ago, Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, retired. Um, mixed feelings there. Um, somebody with a uh, dark past, um, you know, off the field you know, and I mean, when we talk about off the field, you know, not all off the field things are created equal. Not all off field um, activity, you know, in, in the negative um, is created equal. You know, people say, oh, well, some people take drugs or some people, you know, you know, have drinking problems. You know, everyone's got their, everyone's got their scars. Everyone's got their, their shadows. But, you know, uh, when you're accused twice of sexual assault, um, that falls into a different category for me. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger being the, the quarterback uh, for my favorite NFL team has not overridden the fact for me that that is a, yeah, that is, that's, that's a different thing. And, you know, people will say, well, he was never found guilty. He was never, you know, all those things, you know, settled out of court. I think we're all grown up enough to know that, I mean, who knows? I don't know. This is why I didn't really want to talk about this one. It's a, it's a, it's a murky subject to talk about. Um, clearly a great player, clearly a great football player, but, you know, massive um, storm cloud question marks over the person, um, for me and yeah, which yeah, impacts the way I think about, you know, the whole package of person and player. And to me, that's as it should be. We should be impacted by that stuff. Um, but two more clear cut ones to talk about. Um, and in the positive, uh, the retirements of Tom Brady, um, NFL Super Bowl champion seven times over, you know, just uh, a mythic figure of the game that we saw with our own two eyes. You don't always get to see these players, but we were, we, you know, anyone who's watched him, you know, what a lucky time to have been born at a time where Tom Brady could rip your team's hopes and dreams out through their heart. Um <laughs> <laughs> as he did many times to most people's favorite teams, unless you're the New York Giants. Uh, also, and, you know, on a personal note, more, you know, another impactful one is uh, Potty Ma, the bull of Tipperary, as I like to call him. Um <laughs> And that's really what he was, you know, physicality-wise. He was such a bullocking player, um, predominantly playing at centre-back for the Tipperary um, 
inter-county hurling team for I'm trying to find when when he started playing. I think 2010 maybe, 2010 for Tipperary in the senior team. 2009 maybe. Sounds more. Either I or 9 or, or, or 10. Um, but, you know, a player that I've only watched in the last two years. So I've caught the tail end of of Mars career and I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well but off the top just quickly I wanted to touch on the fact that I have a Patreon account and Patreon account is essentially a website where you know artists and podcasters and to use some California speak dude uh, content creators um, you know, can link up with the people who consume their content, man. Um, and so, yeah, the idea is, you know, you can sort of set up your own paywall. And I have been uncomfortable with paywalls for a while. I like having my content, my content, dude, uh, where people can access it. Uh, and the flip side of that is, I would love to do this for a living. And as anyone who's worked in the arts, and I do think all of everything can be an art and a craft. I should what I should say is anyone who's tried to go out on their own and do the thing they love independently knows how fucking hard that is to get people to front over their cash. It's it's just a different thing. Um, musicians can probably relate to this really well where it's like, I want to become, you know, I want to be a band or a, a solo artist and people contact you and go, oh, here, you know, you've got a band together, you know, you're, you're a solo artist. would love for you to come and play this gallery opening or would love for you to come down and play, you know, a Christmas show or we've got, you know, come down to this, you know, open mic night or whatever. And you're like, oh, cool. What does it pay? Oh, no, it's it's not paid. It's sort of just for the exposure. It's like, fantastic. Um, let me just, just, can I put you on hold? I just need to check with my landlord to see if uh, if he'll accept exposure as, as payment uh, for my rent. Um, let me just, just hold on. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it goes. And it's funny, I was talking to someone the other day and I think about other trades, you know, plumbers and builders and you know, carpenters, sparkies, all those sorts of things. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't ask someone to come and build me, you know, I wouldn't come and ask, hey, can you come and plumb my house? Um, and they're like, sure, um, can I give you a quote? And I'd just be like, oh... I actually thought you might want to do this one for the exposure. You know, I've got a lot of friends, you know, who will probably also need plumbing at some point. So I was thinking, you know, you just do mine as a freebie and then I'll recommend you on. <laughs> you know, but, you know, for that, for, for arts and that sort of thing, it seems to work a little bit differently. Anyway, none of this is to be woe is me. All of this is to say, I mean, you guys haven't asked me to make you a podcast. But I wanted to shout out a couple of people who have contributed to my Patreon. Um, and it's, you know, Jack Johnson, good friend of mine who put, you know, money where his mouth is and supported me for a good long while through the Patreon, you know, given a few bucks a month. Um, I've got to adjust the, the scale on there, but I'm sort of thinking, you know, it, yeah, I've got to adjust that. But anyway, the point is Jack Johnson and David, the great Oklahoman Vaughan, both who have appeared as guests on the show and just awesome people, both put their money where their mouth is and have supported, you know, um, and it's meant a lot to me over the course of 12 months, 18 months, two years, whatever it's been that I've been doing this podcast. And, you know, it's just been a little bit of a sort of a, a trickle of, of, financial input and it's I just wanted to you know let people know that it has got to the point I was like fuck I'd really love to be able to 
to cover more of the hurling and football, the Gaelic Athletic Association stuff. And it finally got, I checked my Patreon balance and I was like, okay, I actually have enough that's accumulated over the last 18 months to buy myself a GAA Go Pass, which means I can watch the hurling and the football. And that's really cool. That's really cool that people who listen to the podcast and, you know, admittedly people who are my friends um, have supported what I've done to the point where the podcast can pay for some more podcast content, you know, and that's cool. And that's to me what it's about. And so I need to sex up the Patreon offering more. I want to add some things. I've got some ideas. Um, I have some ideas in the art space. I want to add a visual art element to, to the JBSE um, because that's part of my sport experience, creating art. And and I want to add some fictional writing in as well. I've toyed with the idea of doing a, a football comic book. Uh, I, I've, I've got some other ideas out there that I'd love to to put through the Patreon. So if you want to go over and join up with the Patreon, uh, there's currently, I think, three levels there. I, w- I would ask that, keep it in the back of your mind, that for, for the cost of a cup of coffee, that's kind of what I'm looking to make the Patreon ultimately, that you can chip in cup of coffee once a month and get, you know, feel good that you are funding the podcast that you listen to kind of thing. And I've just signed up for one with smaller fish GAA, um, Colm Parkinson, formerly of the GAA hour, um, has gone out on his own independently and yeah, for a, for the cost of a pint, five, five, uh, pounds a month, you know, he's churning out like 16 episodes a month for people. So I'm going to take some heart from that. I'm going to take some motivation from that. I just wanted to share with you that that's the direction I want to take this podcast is I want to make it into something that's worth, you know, the cost of a pint or the cost of a coffee every month uh, for the people who listen and engage with it. And, you know, I don't want to get bloody rich off it. I just want to be able to make my living doing this. Um, and you know, that's going to be a, it's going to be a long build and in the spirit of the audio journal episode, which I was surprised a lot of people listen to the audio journal episode. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, be clear with where I'm going with it, what my hopes and aspirations are. And if you guys will come along for the ride along the way, I would absolutely love that. So anyway, it's on me to sex up the Patreon offering a little bit to make it a bit juicy and a bit cool and fun um, and add some more stuff that hopefully you guys will want to be involved in. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's enough of that. That's the sort of audio journal portion of this podcast. Let's talk. Oh, where do we start? We start with Brady or we start with Potty or we'll start. I th- like I said, I've talked about Ben Roethlisberger previously in the podcast. Um, those of you close to me will know I have really complicated feelings about about his career. Um, I, I let's talk let, let's talk about it, and I have no perfect way to talk about this, and my feelings are always evolving on it. So I hope that you'll bear that in mind. Um, that. That I, I I haven't worked out how to sit with all of this in my head, and this goes for all sports. Um, and as I said, players do a lot of things on and off the field. They are people, but you know. And people say, "Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line?" And I'm like, "Well, I kind of draw the line at like you know, violent and sexual assault allegations, and and you know, charges and things like that." And so that's where I draw the line of going, I don't think I really want to cheer for this person. Now, the awkward thing, not awkward, but the, the, the like I said, God, finding the language for this stuff is so hard. Um, but I became a, an NFL fan in 
2009 or 2010. And it was basically off the back of watching one game of football. I watched the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Green Bay Packers. The Steelers won on a literal last throw of the game touchdown pass from Roethlisberger to Mike Wallace in the corner of the end zone. Steelers win, I think, 34-33 or something like that, or 35-34, whatever it was. Now, then I didn't watch another game of NFL for years because I was watching at my Auntie Joe's house on Foxtel. I was on a holiday to the city, and when I returned home to the country, because this was, I would have been 19, when I returned home to the country, I didn't have the NFL on TV. I barely had anything on TV out here in the middle of nowhere. Didn't have the internet to stream it, nothing like that. So I couldn't follow it except for looking up results. You know, so I would follow the Steelers. Oh, they won or they lost or whatever. But, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't hearing it. I, so I had almost, you know, the best part of a decade of following the NFL was was through scores and maybe some highlight videos occasionally. It wasn't until the twenty seventeen season. So it was yeah, almost a gap of eight years that I got myself NFL Game Pass and and started to watch it every week again and, and sort of fell truly back in love with the sport. But all of that to say was it was Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers and, you know, a typically Ben Roethlisberger performance that made me fall in love with the game. Um, big Ben, you know, a big dude, a physical dude, running around making stupid plays that a, that a big guy like that shouldn't be able to make throwing off tacklers and launching missiles downfield, uh, taking big hits and bouncing back up, playing injured, all those sorts of things. Like that one game typified everything that people had come to love and would come to love about watching Roethlisberger play football. And, you know, unquestionably, he's an iconic NFL player. He's an iconic Pittsburgh Steeler Um you know, definitely with the claim to being the greatest Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback of all time. Terry Bradshaw's regular season uh, is is significantly dwarfed by everything Roethlisberger accomplished. What Bradshaw has in his corner, of course, is four trips to the Super Bowl for four wins and two MVP awards uh, in those games. So I, I've, I have Bradshaw closer to Roethlisberger than most other people do. Um, you speak to a lot of people now, oh man, it's not even close. Like it's Roethlisberger by a country mile. And I don't know, uh, Roethlisberger didn't have the greatest playoff record. Uh, he did get to three Super Bowls. He won two of them, but he didn't play particularly well in one of them. Um, did have one of the great Super Bowl throws against Arizona in the, the second Super Bowl victory that he played in. Um, but Bradshaw was on another level. Bradshaw is one of the great the two or three greatest Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. You know, it's Brady, it's Montana and Bradshaw. They're the three who performed on that stage in a significant sample size um, better than anyone else. To me, they are the Super Bowl gods. Um, because they did it over so many games. Like people will look at, oh, well, Doug Williams, he had a really, he did have a great Super Bowl. You know, he did played one of the great, you know, Super Bowl quarters of all times or halves of all time, whatever it was. Uh, you know, Eli Manning, couple of great Super Bowls. Bradshaw played in four, won all four, and was the MVP in two of them. You know, Brady has played in ten and won seven. Montana played in four and won four. Like to me, those guys are heads and shoulders above. So that's important to me when I think about the greatest Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback of all time being between Roethlisberger and Bradshaw. Well, Bradshaw is on my, you know, top three Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. Roethlisberger isn't. Uh, So while he owns a lot of the records and that sort of thing, I I still place Bradshaw very close. I have them neck and neck uh, in terms of what they mean to that franchise. Both great players. So the thing with Roethlisberger is, I only found out after getting back into football in 2017 about his off-the-field 
things, the sexual assault allegations and the out-of-court settlements and all of those sorts of things. So the player that made me love the game, you know, I didn't find out until a decade later about this stuff. And as a fan, that's a really, it feels like a compromised place to be because everyone who's had favorite players will know and favorite teams will know how they work their way into your heart where you cheer for them, you root for them, you get involved in their story, you become entwined in their story and then you find out something horrible and it leaves you very exposed and I understand that other people have you know, suffered more being entwined in this story than me but I can only speak to being a sports fan. That's all I can speak to. Um, and, and a human, obviously. And so I have been looking forward to the end of the Roethlisberger era in Pittsburgh. I'm relieved that he is retired. Um, I hope to God that the Steelers don't go and trade for Deshaun Watson, who is also facing multiple um, sexual assault allegations um, uh, as we speak I so yeah, I'm I'm relieved that the Roethlisberger era is over because it's been a difficult era to cheer for uh, and that's just th- that may just be me but I've found it difficult I've found it uh, a bitter pill to swallow that, 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 like I said, it's hard to work out exactly how to frame it. And this is the thing with reputation and it's a reputation Roethlisberger will carry forever. Wasn't charged, but was accused, did have an out of court settlement. Uh, I believe the one case there was no... I think it was the second one. It's very murky. And to, to me, you know, there's stuff because after the second set of allegations, which I think happened in 2008, I can't remember exactly, but he was suspended for six games, I believe it was six, by the NFL um, for violating professional conduct policy or something like that. And I thought it was telling that his teammate, longtime teammate, Heinz Ward, uh, said that he felt that it was, I can't remember his exact wording, appropriate. He, he basically, you know, endorsed the suspension, the punishment. Um, there haven't been too many people that I can think of off the top of my head who have come out and defended Roethlisberger through his career. And that, to me, is pretty telling. You know, normally you'll get teammates coming out of the woodwork to go into bat for people. So I'm relieved. I'm done with this era of Steelers football. I hope we get a young quarterback who goes about their football the right way. But more importantly, I hope we get a young quarterback who goes about his life the right way. Someone who has their heads screwed on and a firm, a firm grounding in, in good personhood. Uh, that shit matters a lot to me. Uh, that really impacts my ability to be invested. And, you know, <laughs> I've said if the Steelers were to go and get Deshaun Watson, I would cease to be a Steelers fan because that would, to me, um, present a massive uh, mark against this organization and the values that they have. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm relieved that this era is over with and I wish we had more answers. I wish we had more answers. I wish things were more clear cut. That's what I'll say about the Roethlisberger issue, uh, era. I wish we had answers because I don't feel like we ever really got any. Um, I would like to talk to, let's stay in American football and talk about Tom Brady. 
<laughs> like what a career. Uh, from 2000 to 2021, um, in that time, he started all 16 games in 18 of 22 seasons. From age 32 to age 44, he started all regular season games except four in 2016 when he was suspended. From age 40 to 44, he never missed a game in his final five seasons and won two more Super Bowls from three visits. After turning 40, this guy has done everything. He's done absolutely everything. Uh, I believe at the time he won his first Super Bowl in 2001, he was the youngest player to win one. And at the time of his retirement, he's the oldest player to have won one in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he has rewritten everything. I don't think we will ever see another, well, we won't in our lifetimes, in my opinion, see a career like this. He has a claim to have been a Hall of Famer in three separate chunks of his career. If you divided his career up by three, he would be a Hall of Famer in every one for me. And here's how it looks. 2001 to 2007, he played 110 games, went 86 and 24, completed 63% of his passes, 26,364 yards, 197 touchdowns, 86 interceptions, a passer rating of 93, and he won three Super Bowls from five trips. So that was his age 24 to age 30 seasons. That, to me, he'd be a Hall of Famer already because he's got three rings from five Super Bowl visits, 110. Uh, I may have the math wrong there. I don't know. I'm trying to work out. I don't think I do. I think he's been to 12 Super Bowls. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is he did win three rings in that time. So, so age 24 to 30, across his 110 games, he, he'd be a Hall of Famer. 2008 to 2014, his age 31 to 37 season. 97 games, he went 74 and 23. 64% of his passes were complete. 26,888 yards, 195 touchdowns, just 57 interceptions for a passer rating of 98.9. Now, he only won one ring. Um, from multiple Super Bowl trips there. Uh, that would be the one right at the end of that um, that stretch. Yeah, he went to two in that, that time, I believe, and lost once to the Giants in 2011, won in 2014 against the Seahawks in what might have been the most important game of his career in terms of defining that part of his legacy. Uh, so that to me would that's probably the most um, iffy part of his of his career. Would he be a Hall of Famer in that section? I think he could be, but that's probably the one you could question the most. Would, would ninety seven games, seventy four and twenty three, sixty four percent completion, twenty six thousand eight hundred eighty eight yards, one ninety five touchdowns, fifty seven picks? 98.9 QB rating and one ring from two Super Bowl visits. It would be on the cusp. I mean, that's that's basically, that feels like Patrick Mahomes. That almost feels like where Mahomes' career is at right now. One ring from two trips, dominant during the regular season. And, you know, Mahomes, if he retired now, he'd have a pretty good shot for how he's played. And that's something to think about Brady. You know, he was playing at a super elite level. But here, here's the clincher. So from 2015 to 2021, he's aged 38 to 44 season. You know, the time in his career where everything should be in decline, he should be turning into an old man like Eli Manning, like Peyton Manning, like Brett Favre, like Ben Roethlisberger, like all of the great quarterbacks. He should be, you know, shitting the bed by now. He should be becoming decrepit and receding into retirement. So 2015 to 2021, age 38 to age 44, he plays 109 games, doesn't miss a start, goes 83 and 26, completes 65.4% of his passes, 
for 31,262 yards, more in that six-year stretch than in the other two six-year stretches of his season, uh, career. He throws 232 touchdowns and just 60 interceptions and has a passer rating of 100.6. And he wins three more rings from four trips to the Super Bowl. That's insane. That is insane. He finished his career age 38 to 44 better than he started it age 24 to 30. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I don't think we will ever see anything remotely close to what he has done. That is insane. And really, he retires more satisfied than I think anyone will ever retire from anything. He did it all. Absolutely everything. What else could you ask for? He played 318 career games. He won 243 of them, losing just 73. 64.2% completion percentage. 84,520 yards, 624 touchdown passes to just 203 interceptions, 97.6 career passer rating. 42 fourth quarter comebacks and 53 game winning drives, three time league MVP, 15 visits to the Pro Bowl, you know, multiple playoff trips in the playoffs. He played 47 playoff games, won 35 of them. He had uh, nine fourth quarter comebacks and 14 game winning drives. So in 50% of those games that he played in the playoffs, he completed a fourth-quarter comeback or a game-winning drive. Um, This guy is absurd. He's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, hands down, because he understood early that he could use his mind to overcome physical limitations. Everyone's seen the draft picture. Everyone's seen sort of chubby, blobby, knock need Tom Brady at the draft. Everyone knows he was picked 199th in the draft. Absurd. Just absurd. And that is a testament, I think, to to why Tom Brady was great. Right up until his final season. He didn't look like he was declining at all in Tampa Bay. And that will cement his legacy more than anything, perhaps, is his ability to seemingly defy time. He looked he he actually looked like <laughs> so. Um, uh, Greg Rosenthal of NFL Network said this on around the NFL podcast: the 2019 season, his last with the Patriots, he looked like he was declining, but he still put together the greatest. Career uh, season of any forty-plus age quarterback ever. Like it's astounding that he's then gone on to win a Super Bowl and lead the Bucks to the playoffs twice in his two years in Tampa Bay. He's to me, he's the greatest of all time at the position. I think it's kind of pointless to compare um, position to position. Like, how can we possibly? say, uh, well, you know, who's the greatest football player of all time? Well, who? Uh, this is the question I ask myself all the time, and it's why it's bizarre to me to think that the most valuable player would be anything but a quarterback. And I'm not saying that they're the most important position or anything like that. Every Obviously, every position is important. But what I would say is, what other position in football impacts a team to the level that removing the starting quarterback does. None. None. There's no position. Like, no single position has as much impact on a team as the removal of its starting quarterback. For whatever reason, (laughs) we cannot find two guys on a roster who can play the job. To the same level. One, I know why, because you can't pay two guys like that. Um, But but no, there's no other position. 
that impacts it as much. How, like, what are the stories in history where you have overcome, like, the Nick Foles story in 2017? But let's not pretend that Nick Foles starting all year for the Eagles would have had the Eagles in the playoff. Nick Foles got hot for the, for the playoff run. But we've seen what Nick Foles, the, the regular season starter, looks like. That People don't give Carson Wentz enough credit for, for giving Foles the opportunity to go and win that Super Bowl. He was electric that year in the regular season. And I think uh, that injury has significantly um, torpedoed his career. He was, you know, fascinating, elusive, creative, uh, explosive, tough. There was a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger about Carson Wentz, the ability to get in and out of, of, of pressure and make plays on the run and improvise. I, so, you know, people, you know, Foles won the Super Bowl MVP, um, played great. But I don't think the Eagles make playoffs with Nick Foles if he was the starter for all 16 regular season games. Like, <laughs> Carson Wentz is, was still the better quarterback on the roster. Um, but Foles got hot for that four games, and that's all they needed. So credit to him. But if Wentz goes down in week two, I don't think the Eagles make playoffs. So I, I can't think of many examples throughout history where the, the, the true starting quarterback goes down and the team um, breaks even off that. You know, it's very rare, very rare to find teams that, that go on and win championships after the true starter goes down. And there's probably some examples, but they're the exception that proves the rule in that sense. So, you know, if you define <laughs> the most valuable player, what's the one piece of a team that when you take it out causes the most damage? It's the starting quarterback. And that doesn't, it shouldn't diminish our appreciation of the other positions, but so much of the game runs through that position. You know, and a guy who can make good decisions and make good throws and be healthy and stay out there and all those sorts of things. Um, as I said, shouldn't diminish the importance of the other positions. And if you think it does, well, that's your fucking issue. Um, but yeah, Brady is the best. Heads and shoulders. Um, you know, if you take Brady out, then it's probably Montana. You know, across history. Uh, but you can't take Brady out. And he almost won twice as many Super Bowls as Joe Montana did. Uh, and he didn't always have, you know, the greatest setup around him either in terms of offensive weapons. Though he did get... That's that's probably diminishing the importance of guys like Gronk and, and Edelman and those sorts of players throughout time. But... And he certainly was loaded with weapons in Tampa Bay. And that, that above all, what a shrewd move by Brady. As he enters the twilight of his career to move to a place that was loaded with, with offensive talent, um, where he could still maximize his mind and get... And fuck, he was throwing the ball deep so well. Look at the, the touchdown throw to, to um, Mike Evans in the loss this year in the playoffs to the Rams. Like a dime in the bucket. Deep, deep throw, arm strength and touch to drop it over Mike Evans into the bucket for a touchdown. Um, yeah, just a mythical figure, Tom Brady for me, in the NFL pantheon. Um, now... Lastly, Potty Ma, the, as I've come to call him, the bull of Tipperary, uh, started his Tipperary inter-county career, as I said, in, at the start of the episode, in 2009-10, a decorated player, lined out predominantly at centre-back, um, 
won seven Tipperary titles and one Munster title with his club, uh, Thurlis Sarsfields, uh, who also, uh, I was looking at Thurlis Sarsfields, Turles, I think, Turles Sarsfields, Jake, get it fucking right, son, um, won, and presumably Potty would have been involved in, in the majority of these, but, you know, this is the success that they've had in the in the 21st century. 2005, Tipperary Senior Hurling Champions. 2009, 2010, 2012, 2014, 15, 16, 17. Uh, all Tipperary Senior Hurling Champions. Um, so crazy success at club level. But obviously for me, as someone who's relatively new to the game, it's his county career that's that's been the most... Uh, compelling where they've won five monster titles and three all islands he's been to the all-star team six times those three all islands are massive uh 2010 they denied kilkenny the opportunity to win five in a row uh you know, uh, still hasn't been done. I don't think. I don't think anyone's ever won five All Irelands in a row. As I said, I'm a, I'm a new fan. But <laughs> you know, denying a bitter rival like Kilkenny the opportunity to, to claim that bit of history in 2010, massive. Uh, they defeated. Um, they won the All-Ireland again, I believe, in 2016 or 2017, and again in 2019 um, over Kilkenny also. He's had a massive career. but And, and as I said, I, I'm a new fan, so I can't talk to all of the ins and outs of, of, of Potty Mar's career. But what I can speak to, and this is kind of probably a nice way to bookend this episode, we started talking about Roethlisberger and how, you know, watching Roethlisberger was what made me fall in love with football, the way he played the sport, you know, and, and even as a novice, even, you know, watching a sport for the first time, sometimes players stand out to you and you go, holy moly, I want to watch this guy play the game. And that's what I felt about Potty Ma the first time I watched hurling, uh, watched I think our first game I watched on YouTube was a might have been 2009 where Tipperary lost to Kilkenny. Um, or it might have been the 2010 one. I don't know. Anyway, I remember the first time I watched Tipperary and watching Podimar go up for deep balls in defense and bring things to ground and, you know, seize the, seize the sliver and either take off with it and pound the ball downfield deep, either for a point himself or to set up a deep attacking opportunity. Or he'd charge through three or four guys whacking at him with their hurlies and win a free out. He was a bullocking, bristling, uh, broad-chested, you know, uh, he-man of a hurling player. He was bullocking and explosive, fast, tough. Uh, the If you go on YouTube and look up uh, Potty Ma hits Joe Canning uh, for Galway, just one of the greatest uh, shoulder tackles you'll ever see uh, in a game, just lines the guy out. Um, and Canning, to his credit, is pretty tough too to get back up on his feet um, a little while afterwards. He typified everything that I've loved about hurling as a new fan. Toughness, competitiveness, skill. You know, I think that's probably underrated when when people talk about Potty Ma, uh, is, is his skill. You know, some of the points that he launched from deep, you know, on his own half or, you know, from inside his own half. And I think that's something that a lot of tough players have overlooked about them is their, is their skill set, you know, in terms of the intricacies of the game. 
And, you know, in fa- that's something with going back to Roethlisberger that I think Roethlisberger doesn't get enough credit for. He's often typecast as being sort of simple or, or you know, or dumb, you know, and, and yet he's executed some of the greatest sort of two-minute drill drives, game-winning drives of all time. That one in the Super Bowl stands out where, you know, he's maybe calling more of the plays in a hurry-up offense. I think that's something that was overlooked. I think Roethlisberger's ability to to make improvised plays, Roethlisberger's ability to make different types of throws, like his skills kind of got underrated behind his toughness. You know, and you don't want to undersell his toughness because he was one tough bastard. But I think the same with Potty. Like we overlook the skill sometimes for the physicality of the player. And there's no doubt that Potty Ma was a physical, um, combative um, hurler, but he was madly skilled as well. And you sort of hear a lot from, I was listening to Smaller Fish GAA and they had La Corbett, another Tipperary great, um, on there talking about playing with Potty and how, how much he is loved and respected around the county setup, around his club setup, and the way in which he he drove other players forward. And he, it's funny, I got a vibe about him watching him, and probably why I love watching him play so much is he reminded me a little bit of Matthew Scarlett um, for the Geelong Cats. Scarlett, the same kind of player, you know, a domineering kind of force, physical, tough, skilled could read the game better than anyone else and set ridiculously high personal standards that he also brought others along with. There was an expectation of greatness. You know, you didn't feel like Potty Ma was going out there, oh, it's pretty nice to go out and play, you know, inter-county hurling. No, he wanted to go out there and win all islands. You know, it was like with, with Scarlett. Scarlett never seemed like the sort of guy who was going out there to, to cash a paycheck. It was like, well, if we're not out here to win premierships, what's the fucking point? You know, that's what we're here for. That's what we're paid to do. We're paid to win. What's remarkable about Potty Mar and the, and the hurlers is they're not paid. You know, they're amateurs. They work other jobs. Potty, um, I know he has uh, one one um, job that I'm actually not sure, but you know, he also owns a coffee, a coffee shop, you know, with, with another player. So, and I would counsel everyone who hasn't watched hurling or Gaelic football to go and do it because um, amateurs playing at a professional level, the skill and athleticism on display is remarkable, uh, even amongst professional sports. And it's only watching multiple games that you start to appreciate the intricacy of the skill. What's tragic about Potty Ma's retirement is that it was forced. Um, he was advised due to a neck injury to cease playing contact sport. And he had no intention of retiring. He's 32 and felt, uh, again, he was interviewed by Smaller Fish GAA about this uh, just today. I listened to it this morning and he was saying, you know, he thought maybe he'd get another few years yet of playing county hurling. He he thought, and, and this seemed to be the biggest um, tragedy for him, was that he wouldn't get a few years to just concentrate on his hurling for Turles Sarsfield. You know, his club side. And that's something that a lot of people, I think, if you're outside of, if you don't really know much about the sport, you know, these guys play for the clubs that they grew up in, in the towns they grew up in. They play for the county that they, you know, grew up in. And, you know, county hurling takes a lot of their time away from from hurling at other levels. And so when they retire from or step back from county hurling, they want to step in and, and play for their club and give back to the to the smaller community that supported them to be a county to be an inter county hurler. And 
he's he's going to be robbed of those years, and you can see that that weighs heavily. That he won't get to line out for his club again. So not you know not only you know in his mind he's probably got you know at thirty two who knows maybe even the better part of a decade of hurling at some level, whether it be you know a few years at at county level, and then maybe another four. Five, I don't know, at club level. He's not going to get that. And I'm interested to see how that settles in for him because that's a massive loss. It's hard enough sometimes for players to retire when they know that they're done, even harder when it gets snatched away from you. So a salute to Podimar because he is the player that more than any other captured my imagination for hurling and what hurling can be and the type of player that I love to watch. Um, and I'll be forever grateful for YouTube and my ability to go back and watch games from before I was following the sport. Uh, but a true, a true warrior for Tipperary in every sense of the word, a leader and someone that I'm sure many hurlers were proud to have played alongside. So they are the three retirements that I wanted to talk about. We've covered them all. We've gone over the 45 minutes. We're about 51 and counting. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you've enjoyed. I'll talk to you again soon. Might work up a written piece again soon. I'm quite enjoying podcasting at the moment, so we'll see how that goes. I'm also sketching and making some artwork, so we'll see where it all goes. Hope you're getting to watch some sport. The NFL's about to wind up, but the NHL, the hockey is just hitting the halfway mark. So we're on a, a a beautiful, fast downhill slide towards playoffs in the NHL. And if you're like me and keen to watch the hurling and the Gaelic football, that's just about to start. And then we'll be into AFL men's, the AFL women's. I'm still covering that on the Chaps Chat Cats. You know, there's so much sport. So much sport. Gosh, we're lucky. Aren't we lucky? I think we're lucky. For all the bad shit that goes on in the world, to have this stuff to follow, um, what a dream. All right, be well.